Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. We also have with us a special guest, Charlotte Sable, member of the Commander Advisory Group. Hello, always good to be back. Appreciate having you on the show. Uh, Today, we're going to be going over the initial spoilers from Core Set 2021. So we're going to be going through some of the new commanders that have been spoiled over the last few days, uh, some of the new planeswalkers we've seen, and some of the new main deck cards. And if we have time, we might also talk about some of the exciting reprints that are in this set. So I think we can go ahead and get started. Um, let's let's talk about Mangara the Diplomat. This is three and a white for a legendary human cleric. It has lifelink. It's a two four. And it has a couple of abilities. Uh, it's, it's really playing in the white card draw space. So whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control, draw a card. Whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. So how do you two feel about this this new mono-white legendary creature? I love it. I I am so glad that they found a really good direction for uh, white card draw for commander and just in general. Um, I was uh, I was looking to sort of see what the justification for the, the these sets of abilities was, and I'm not sure how the name's pronounced. I think it's Ari Nia. He's the mm-hmm. uh, the white member of the Council of Colors at uh, R and D. And basically, he said in a tweet that uh, going forward, anything that uh, white could tax or deny with like, you know, its normal staxy effects, it can now draw a card off of, which is like a really good idea going forward. So it relies on opponents doing things, but it still can benefit you with card draw, which is which is really good. I like that white now has a way to refuel because white has so many good answers. It's got, you know, generous gift. It's got some great board wipes. It's got a couple efficient spot removal spells. And I'm glad that this commander allows you to um, sort of refill your hand so you can you can do those one-for-one trades that aren't normally that great in commander because you're, you're down relative to the players who aren't part of that exchange. But you can uh, build back up with Mangara. So... Because he mostly focuses on what your opponents are doing, he's not that great to build around. But just as like a mono-white control commander, he'll give you the source of card advantage that's really lacking in this color identity. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I think also just as a card in the 99 is where we're going to see him most, just because he is very efficient. And it's really hard to think of a commander game that I played recently where, like, late game people weren't casting two spells a turn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I've been uh, playing a fair amount of CEDH lately, and, like, that second ability is just going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like, it only triggers once a turn, but still, like, that's just, like, a guaranteed, you know, like, at least guaranteed two cards a cycle mm-hmm. in CEDH, a more competitive commander um i don't know it's it's a really good first step uh i like that he has two power which you know makes my alesha senses tingle so (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no i i like that about him too um when i was building the deck like naturally a lot of the creatures i put in there tended to have low power and because my commander did too i could run things like retribution of the meek i could run dusk dawn um, there's just these board wipes that you can break the symmetry on because your commander has low power 
and a lot of the best mono white creatures are also kind of weenies. Yeah. He works well with like meek stone as well, although I guess you kind of want things attacking you, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think he'll draw enough off of the last ability that like any cards you get off of the second ability are going to be just gravy at that point. Yeah, I managed to get in a game testing a Mangara list, and um, even with decks without a lot of ramp, I was still drawing multiple cards a turn off of his abilities, so mm-hmm. uh, he worked out pretty well as a commander. Yeah, absolutely. The Any other thoughts on Mangara before no, we move on? No, he's, he's just really solid, and I'm happy to see him, and I hope the fact that he's a mythic doesn't make him stupidly expensive, but hope. I don't think it will be that expensive. I can't see it seeing a ton of play in like standard. It might see like a one of or two of in some control decks, but like that's about it. Hey, but commander does drive prices these days and this may be, uh, yeah, one of the better white cards we've seen in a while. Uh, All right. The next commander we're going to be talking about is Vito Thorn of the Dusk Rose two and a black for a one, three legendary vampire cleric. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. And three black black creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. Uh, so what do you all think of this commander? I like it. It's cool to see uh, part of the uh, the blood bond combo on a creature. Um, and I think it's like the part that hasn't been replicated at that many times, right? Like normally yeah. it's normally... Is it normally the other way around? I forget which one. Does... Actually, I think it's. Uh, there, I think there's only one exquisite blood, but there are oh. multiple cards that okay. can fill in for sanguine, uh, sanguine bond. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Oh no, no, that's right. No, sorry. Yeah. So this is just another uh, Viscopa Guild Mage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, right. That effect is more common. Okay, but it's still good and. Like the fact that he has the ability to give your creatures lifelink, mind you, for like five, but that's not terrible, honestly, mm-hmm. is pretty decent. Um, I mean, in a sense, in-, in a sense, you're giving them double strike, really. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then if they already have double strike, oh, yeah. <laughs> big game. Or if you have things that like double your life gain, like. Uh, you know, Boon Reflection or... Uh, Alhamaret's the, Archive. Alhamaret's Archive or... Um, Rock's the Faith Mender. Rock. Yeah, yeah. That's, the one. that's the one I was thinking of. I couldn't remember the name of that guy, but he's yeah. very good. Yeah, I don't know that he'll be that good of a commander by himself. I mean, there is a fair amount of lifelink in black, but I can't see him... I think he'll more just play a role in like vampire tribal decks and that sort of thing. Like black white decks with, you know, Elender the Dusk Rose or whatever. I can see him being more of a presence in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that the uh, he'll be more of a player more of the time because I think as a commander, he's probably going to combo most of the time. It's going to kind of like you said, there's the Exquisite blood. Yeah, combo with this guy that is kind of going to dominate. And, and again, it's kind of like with Heliod where Heliod was almost perfect. Like if he didn't give lifelink, if he just like gained life to trigger his own ability, like he would have, I think, been like almost a perfect mono white commander. And Vito's kind of like right there with life gain. I feel like Vito's going to kind of boil down to a combo commander most of the time when you see it. 
which mm-hmm. is, that's that's whatever <laughs> that's yeah. fine yeah so uh i was looking at some of the cards that are able to trigger veto for large numbers so there is of course uh, exquisite blood um for the infinite combo uh there's also exsanguinate and blood tribute um they're likely to kill at least one player uh blood tribute is very convenient in fact because veto is a vampire so blood tribute says uh four black black for a sorcery kicker tap an untapped vampire you control Target opponent loses half his or her life, rounded up. If Blood Tribute was kicked, you gain life equal to the life lost this way. Ooh, that's nasty. <laughs> yeah. So you you take care of half their life off the Blood Tribute, you tap your veto uh, to gain the life, and then he'll do the rest of the job. So yeah. that that's pretty powerful. Um, and then, of course, there's Grey Merchant of Asphodel and Kokusho to also drain mm. and gain huge amounts of life at once. Um, yep. But Beyond those cards, those five cards, there's not uh, a, a lot of options for gaining life in large numbers in mono black. So if you're trying to okay. use Veto as your commander, um, those are kind of like the best, the, the, the real haymakers. And I think you're probably going to have to rely on some of the many tutors in mono black to, to try to find them more frequently. Um, but I think he's probably... Like, like you both have said, he's probably more interesting in the main deck than he is as a commander because, you know, there's there's so few options to really um, yeah. get a lot of value off of his trigger. But yeah, I think we can... Do you want to move on to the next guy? Sure. The next commander is Gadrak the Crown Scourge. Two and a red for a 5-4 legendary dragon. It has flying and it can't attack unless you control four or more artifacts. At the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each non-token creature that died this turn. How do you all feel about Gadrak? I like it. It's a very interesting design, certainly. Reminds me of like the old avaricious dragon, the one that like you sacrifice if you don't have any artifacts sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plays yeah. into that dragon with its treasure trope. I like that it makes treasure. I'm actually like, I look at this and I... I think I want this for my Ashling the Pilgrim deck because hmm. like I'm wiping the board fairly reasonably and the deck plays like every source of protection from red. So if I like slap a sword on him and then wipe the board and like, yep, lots oh, yeah. of treasure for me. And then feed those back into Ashling. And then feed those back into Ashling or, you know, put more swords on Gadrak or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to be a real player in that deck. Um, I'll have to give him a try. The fact that he's only three mana is really intriguing mm-hmm. and really tempting. Um, I like I like that both uh, Gadrak and Vito are reasonably costed. Like they have a lower end cost and and thus probably smaller stats than they might have had otherwise. But like for commander, having a commander that doesn't cost like six mana the first cast is like really important. So if people are looking to build around these, I think that's a really good plus for them. Yeah. I love that this guy turns your floaters into uh, mana. And mm-hmm. I love, like you said that he costs three. I think like he has a really interesting commander deck that there's some tech for, um, but also just as a player index is going to be awesome. Like if you slot Gadrak into like a Jund, like, like, anything like Corval deck or something like that, all of a sudden you're going to be getting that many more permanents that you can sacrifice mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I just really like this guy a lot. I think that he's going to be used as like a for the token generation a lot more than just as a cheap beater. Yeah, um, exactly. And his deck is awesome. <laughs> I yeah. think um, the fact yeah. that he dodges earthquakes is so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the flying is super relevant on this guy. There's plenty of. I think they're less common these days, but like historically, there's just been a ton of cards that are just like deal X damage to each creature without flying almost mm-hmm. mostly from like a flavor perspective, like, yeah. but they, they work so well with Gadrak. You can just wipe oh, the yeah. board and farm a bunch of treasures and then you could potentially feed those into future earthquake effects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really strong. And then once you have a bunch of um, these treasure tokens, there's a lot you can do with them. So you can use things like a uh, clock of omens to tap two untapped artifacts to untap target artifact. So use them as more permanent mana sources um, or inspiring statuary, granting your non artifact, uh, your non artifact cards uh, improvise. So you can tap them all and just use them as mana sources. Um, Blink moth urn. Uh, there's also a bunch of ways to sacrifice them for value. So there's, of course, Goblin Welder, Goblin Engineer, Duretti to reanimate other artifacts. You can use Indomitable Creativity, which uh, is, a, is a pretty spicy one. Um, X, red, red, red. Sorcery, destroy X target artifacts and or creatures. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield, then shuffle their libraries. So mm-hmm. if you have a whole bunch of treasures on the board, you can just trade them in for random artifacts and creatures out of your deck, which seems great to me. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what card I want to run with this guy? Gear up Ether Grid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I tap two untapped artifacts to deal the damage to any target, and like, oh... It- Basically, I kill your thing, get more artifacts to kill more things, and you can just basically keep the board completely clear with him and your treasure tokens. Oh, yeah. Just accrue more treasure, kill more dudes. Seems very good. <laughs> accrue more treasure. So Gadrak seems like a, a very fun commander to me, and I like that there's a lot of tech for him. Um, definitely seems like a unique deck. If you just want to deal a bunch of damage, there's a couple options. Um, there's Hellkite Igniter, which is... Yeah. Uh, seven mana for a five-five flying haste. Um, you yeah. can pay one in a red, and uh, it gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts you control. So that yeah. can pump up real fast. And oh, if you're and if you're a real champion here, if you're really able to to farm uh, treasures pretty well, there's Hellkite Tyrant. So at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control twenty or more artifacts, you win the game. That's, mm-hmm. That could be a fun option. He could definitely slot into other red decks. Like thinking about it now, I might also want to try him in my Alesha deck, which is increasingly getting a treasure theme. So mm. I definitely liked your idea of running him alongside uh, pro red things. I think if you're building yeah. a, a Gadrak deck, then you you definitely want to be running the appropriate swords and the dark steel plate, and then yeah. that way you could True. potentially run things like. Uh, you know, rolling earthquake or star storm, the things that don't just hit the non flyers. Yeah. Rolling earthquake, star storm, uh, blasphemous act, mm-hmm. chain reaction. Chain reaction doesn't get enough love. 
Yeah, and speaking of the the pro red swords, like this is a good time to remind that there's Sanctuary Blade from the new Commander set, which is quite cheap. And so for people that maybe can't afford the swords of X and Y, you know, it's a good protection option for him. Oh, that and, is a good you know, idea. Doesn't doesn't bust your wallet, right? Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. It's honestly, I think, an undervalued card in the format right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last card I want to mention in this deck that seems kind of spicy to me. Um, so if again, if you're able to grind out a lot of treasure tokens, you can run Warp World. Uh, Ooh, yeah. So five red red for a sorcery. Each player shuffles all permanents he or she owns into his or her library, then reveals that many cards from the top of their library. Each player puts all artifact creatures and or land cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then does the same for enchantments. Uh then puts all other cards onto the bottom of their library. So uh, if yeah, if you have way more permanence than everyone else because you've been killing their creatures and generating getting generating treasures, then uh, this could be a pretty sweet way to win the game. Okay, uh, this last card is the buy a box promo. This is Rin and Sari inseparable. One red, green, white for a four four legendary creature, dog cat. Whenever you cast a dog spell, create a 1-1 green cat creature token. Whenever you cast a cat spell, create a 1-1 white dog creature token. Red, green, white, tap. Rin and Sari deals damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control. You gain life equals to the number of cats you control. Uh, so how do you feel about this card? And also, how do you feel about the change from hound to dog? I'm a big fan of the change from hound to dog. I mean, it's been coming for a long while. I would probably be less in favor of it if they hadn't recently split Jackals out of Dog with Ammon Cat, but now that Jackals are their own type, I am 100% on board. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes I, sense. I think it's something that has not necessarily made sense, and uh, I think it's just they were worried about like kind of PR things, like seeing Dog on cards um for whatever reason and and they were just i think resisting because it'd been so long without it but honestly yeah. i think switching now is just the best thing they could have done um mm-hmm. just because like yeah you have to errata some old cards but now you can make cool things like Rin and Sari and people love yeah. dogs yeah the thing is there isn't really any pre-existing dog tribe or hound tribal right so mm-hmm. correct um there's no pre-existing hound tribal, and there's also just not that many ha- dogs. So, like, yeah, uh, I, th- I think there's less than eighty prior to the set. Yeah, yeah. hound. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I think it's a great change. A couple friends of mine uh, were arguing for the hound, just saying it sounds cooler. Um, it does. It yeah. does sound cooler, uh, but dog it it makes more sense there's plenty of dogs that are not hounds yeah i could see them i mean again we'll have to see how they update it like with what becomes i could see them leaving like some like some of the less earthly things as like hounds with it being sort of more of a hellhound sort of idea Mm -hmm. but like again it'll depend on how uh they how they do it i mean i think anything that's like a real living dog should be a dog but, uh, you know, things like, you know, Hellfire Mongrel maybe should stay a hound and have hound be sort of, you know, like Hellhound sort of thing, right? 
Hmm. Sort of like uh, the distinction between serpent and snake, where serpent is like sea serpents and snake is snakes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always got that tension of like, you know, more creature types means more like accuracy and more specificity. Um, yeah. But they're, now that they are introducing these dog tribal effects, there is, you know, that mechanical yeah. downside to having things not be dogs. Well, we could ma- make them hound dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly, if they just change it all, it's fine. Because, I mean, look at how, much, how many different things are lumped under cat. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. everything from house cats to, you know, big cats to, you know, Leonin, uh, Nicodles and everything. Yeah. Whereas dog is dog. And then there's also wolf and jackal and, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't care too much about the jackal split if they used batching more. I thought yeah. they were going to batch more after Dominaria because like Historic was so good and came yeah. off so well. It might, but, have, it might have been that they needed to just sort of see how it was received, and so there's just going to be a, a lag in that, but I guess we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, they just needed another place where they could batch properly. Yeah. But yeah, I think, like, honestly, as a, a deck, and I think we're going to see more dogs in M21, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. um, just because there aren't many, but as a deck... I mean, we're going to discuss one later in this this episode, but... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is definitely true. Uh, I think one of the things that new tribal lists suffer from is that changelings are the best thing to do. And changelings are definitely one of the best things you can do in a Rin and Sari list. Yeah. So, Cause, uh, because then you get two triggers and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You get a dog and a cat off of your cheap changelings, uh, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing because you're still getting your dogs and your cats and you can still play cats and dogs and yeah. do all these other things. But it is interesting that like new tribal kind of defaults to changelings a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I've just got it. yeah. Well, there's only uh, 21 cards with changeling. Actually, only 20 cards with changeling plus uh, birthing bows, which doesn't really work with Ren and Sari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their colors. So, although birthing bows will give you something that counts for both parts of the activated ability, but yeah, uh huh. I think it was pretty smart of Wizards to uh, sort of weigh the power of the activated ability a little bit more on the dogs. Like dealing damage equal to dogs is just more powerful than um, gaining life equal to cats. Yeah, this way people won't just throw this into like their uh, their Marisi deck or whatever. The Marisi mm-hmm. cat tribal deck or whatever. Yeah, you'll gain life, but like whatever. I actually so built a list around this and did some testing with a lot of those changeling and you know some of the more powerful dogs and cats printed over the years, um, and I found that like man this deck really builds up its board presence quite fast. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Edgar Markov in that respect um, where you're just doubling the number of creatures you would normally have, and as a result like cards like Beastmaster Ascension or Shared Animosity that. Um, get take advantage of you having a wide board those are awesome as are cards that um generate resources based on the number of creatures you have so like Mm -hmm. shamanic revelation camaraderie collective unconscious all these draw cards equal to the number of creatures you control so those are fantastic when you've got you know seven cats and dogs and then and then there's also some decent um sack outlets as well that'll let you convert these one one 
tokens into better resources. So Skull Clamp, Evolutionary Leap was really nice in testing because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you play a real creature, you get your token, yeah. you stack your token, get another real creature, keep going. It's yeah. just you're able to maintain your, your same number of cards in hand while building up your yeah. board. It's quite good. Yeah. Then there's also the uh, all dogs go to heaven combo that I've seen a couple of people throw around with. Uh, oh, what's it called? The the aura that or the enchantment that makes all your tokens come in as angels. Yes. Divine visitation. Yeah. So like that, that's the all dogs go to heaven combo, apparently. And that's really <laughs> cute. I like that is cute. Speaking of combos, it's it's notable that there is some combo potential in this deck. If you have a self bouncing cat or dog, um, there's White Mane Lion, there's Fleetfoot Panther. Both of those cards are, are cheap cats that can bounce themselves when they enter the battlefield. So Aluren is two green green for an enchantment. You may cast creature spells with converted mana cost three or less without paying their mana cost and as though they had flash. So you can avoid the mana cost, just keep casting White Mane Lion, bouncing itself, and generating infinite dog tokens. And then similarly with White Mane Lion, um, Earthcraft can take the place of Aluren in that, um, you know, when you cast White Mane Lion, you can tap it to untap basic land. You can tap the token it generates to untap a basic land and then bounce itself to your hand and you're back where you started, except you've gotten an, a tapped token. So that's another option for infinite tokens with this commander. There also is talk about, you know, changelings being the best thing to do. I do think that this is a really good home for the couple of non-creature changeling spells mm-hmm. in these colors, just as like surprise, I get two tokens and I do a thing. Um, like specifically, I like I really like the idea of casting Shields of Velisvel in this deck, which is a uh, white and white uh, tribal instant shapeshifter uh, instant. Um and it says uh, changeling, so it's all creature types. And creatures, target player controls, get plus zero, plus one until end of turn and gain all creature types. So you can cast that, get two tokens, give all your stuff plus one, plus one, and make them all both dogs and cats. So then you can also hit down something pretty big with uh, Ren and Sari. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. I uh, On your suggestion, I actually um, put in shields of Ellisvel and plays of Ellisvel in my um ren and siri list it was just quite good so yeah i think that is more or less it i think we can move on to the non-legendary cards now if you're ready sure uh we'll start with teferi master of time he is two blue blue for a three loyalty legendary planeswalker teferi you may activate loyalty abilities of teferi master of time on any player's turn anytime you could cast an instant Plus one, draw a card, then discard a card. Minus three, target creature you don't control phases out, meaning treat it and anything attached to it as though it didn't exist until its controller's next turn. And minus ten, take two extra turns after this one. How do you feel about this Planeswalker and Commander? I think it's interesting. Obviously, the ability to activate it on each player's turn makes it uh, a lot stronger than it will be in two-player formats. It's not, not overwhelmingly powerful, though. Like, it doesn't protect itself other than the minus three, but it can't do that on your first turn and live, so you'd need to do that on, like, the first opponent's turn. But, again, you only get, like, one per turn cycle on that. Like, if you if a turn cycle becomes, you know, 
draw three times and phase something out, then he's staying even, which is still pretty power. Like loot three times, phase something out. That's still pretty powerful, but I don't think it's like overwhelming for the format. Um, obviously, I don't. I'm not a fan of the time stretch ability. It's strong, but it's like not really a fun thing to do in Commander. But yeah, with the minus ten, it's very unlikely he's going to get there if anyone wants to stop Teferi at all. So, hmm. or unless he's behind like a huge pillow fort. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I have friends who kind of have doom and gloomed this guy as like doing too much. But unless you have uh, like an Allmark's archive or something making you draw extra cards, you're basically a card parody. Like he's offering a lot of card selection, but like. He, he doesn't protect himself that well. Let's say you do plus one every turn, but one in a round of turns in a four-player game. Like, you're still not really getting closer to that ultimate. Um, but that said, I do love him. I love how much card selection you do get. I do love that in a pinch, you can phase out uh, a creature that's attacking him. I think this does a lot. I think this it passes the bar to be playable in Commander, I think, by a pretty decent margin. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, and again, it's it's decent. It's not going to be overwhelming. Yeah. I'm not annoying. Going to be annoying in the way, same way like Little Teferi is. Yeah. I think so. Uh, or even Big Teferi. Um, yeah. Or Creature Teferi. <laughs> yeah. Or Creature Teferi. The cost is right. I think controlish blue decks will probably, that are already running some Planeswalkers and ways to protect them will want this. I don't think it's super appealing to a deck that's not already running a fair amount of Planeswalkers because uh-huh. it doesn't protect itself like at all. Like if people want it dead and everyone has creatures, they can get rid of it. I definitely agree with you, Charlotte. I would be most interested in running this card in a Super Friends deck, yeah. um, something that already has a, like several lines of defense so that you don't have to worry about protecting Teferi so much and can uh-huh. just focus on looting improving your card quality and um and if you're able to do that if you don't have to use this minus three he ticks up to his ultimate pretty fast um if in a four player game in two rounds of turns you're going to be at 11 loyalty and then you can fire off that time stretch and of course if you're if you're in a super friends deck those extra turn effects are even more powerful because it's not just about Mm -hmm. untapping your lands and drawing a card it's also and I get to activate this Planeswalker and this Planeswalker and this Planeswalker. Yeah, um, if I was looking to slot him somewhere, if I was just trying to think of like an ideal deck for him, the first thing that sort of comes to mind would be like a Peer and Toothy Super Friends deck. Mm-hmm. Since Peer lets you like tick him up faster. Yeah, and then the and then the plus one benefits Toothy as well. And so even though you're discarding a card, you're going to get those cards back with, uh, with Toothy at the end. So when Toothy leaves... Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I don't think it's going to be a problematic card for the format. Like, any, if, if if the card's going to be, like, you know, ultimating, the deck that it's in would probably have been playing a different Planeswalker in the slot anyway. And that would yeah. be doing something equally obnoxious. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be a big deal. I think, it, like, the first two... I mean, the card selection is nice. Like, the fact that... Like, the first ability is weak, except that you get to do it multiple times a turn cycle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, can I call out just how bullshit it is that there's four versions of this card with very slightly different art that makes, like, no sense to exist? I 
agree with you. There's some versions where it's so subtle, you can't even yeah. tell that there's a difference unless like, you're unless like really you're looking side to side. Yeah, like I had to open them in like four windows e- evenly, you know, lined up and like, okay, I see it now when I click between them. But even like side to side, some of them aren't necessarily gonna look the same. Like if they had different backgrounds or something, you know. Yeah. But like it, it's kind of obvious that this was from some. These are like frames from some sort of animation, and they just picked like the best looking four or something. Or it's just like the, yeah, they just separated out into layers and just made yeah. adjustments to to one layer and kept. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if on like Arena, there's just an animated version that like cycles between the four sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I like the uh, borderless full art version of Teferi of this one. That one is actually lo- looks good, but I don't see the need for the four different versions of the base card, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if they change like the color, like because one of them has like purpley ripples and that looks good, but like you know maybe have at least four slightly different colors, but like three of them are basically the same color of like time ripples, which is like eh. Part of the problem is just that it's so busy. With these yeah. like arcane circles, and really, I wish they had like scaled back on that part, and like you said, done something with the environment. Like, um, yeah. if you want to show that he that this is happening at multiple points in time, then just do like seasons or like yeah. really obvious day night differences. Um, yeah. Or do like a, or do like a split thing, like Karn's temporal sundering sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. There's just a lot of ways that this could have been executed better i think it also doesn't help that the background while sort of indistinct is pretty busy in and of itself and is kind of distracting so yeah but anyway enough enough talking about art on an audio podcast i suppose (laughs) (laughs) that's fine (laughs) let's move on to liliana waker of the dead she is two black black for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker liliana she, her plus one is each player discards a card. Each opponent who can't loses three life. Minus three, target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard. Minus seven, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It gains haste. How do you feel about this Liliana? I mean, I'm not crazy about it in general. It seems fine if you want to, if you have like a Liliana theme deck or something, but I don't think it's a very much, it's not really a commander focused planeswalker. I think the deck where I could see it doing the most work would be like a Kroxa deck, since the mm-hmm. plus synergizes really well with Kroxa's trigger. And then uh, with the minus seven, if you get the emblem, using that to bring back Kroxa an extra time every turn seems pretty strong as well. But again, yeah. that's still that's still pretty niche. I don't know that I don't know. I think this card might just be too slow and expensive for a Croxa deck because they tend to be pretty low to the ground. Yeah, your commander costs two. It's pretty hard to mm-hmm. to beat. <laughs> no, I, I think I agree with you. I think that the this card follows the very typical four mana planeswalker. Uh, in this case, it's not draw a card, but it's plus one draw a card, minus three kill something ultimate yeah Um, but it follows that formula and uh kind of just as we'll say many more times on this podcast it's just not quite there for most decks so that's fine that's they can't all be singers decent i like the art the art is very nice i like that Mm -hmm. look for liliana 
but like yeah. beyond that, beyond that, you know, it's not super impressive for a commander. Yeah, mm-hmm. she has like a really strong uh, contrast with the environment, like the the background, mm-hmm. very light colors, very, like sort yeah. of pastels, and, and, and I like, like her, the, like, like the shawl and glove look with her normal dress. It's yeah, really nice. but I mean, Anna Steinbauer is always a good artist, so definitely true. Um, but yeah, let's go through the few main deck cards we have. Okay, we'll start with Pack Leader. This is one in a white for a 2-2 dog. Other dogs you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever Pack Leader attacks, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn to dogs you control. Uh, so it's a dog lord. Um, where? <laughs> what do you think about this card? Uh, do you like it? Where do you think it would fit in the format? It's what are your thoughts? Re- it's really good for a two-mana lord. Like, amazingly good. Like that that activated that attack trigger is super strong. Like it basically says you can just swing all out with all your dogs as long as your pack leader can attack. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I, I totally agree. I think this card's gonna be a lot more of a player in sixty card formats where that yeah. like the the speed of having a two two like this is gonna be very important. But I do agree, like a lord for two mana like this is uh mm-hmm. it's probably one of the stronger just lords we've seen uh that said i think we're gonna have to get a lot more dogs for commander before this is like really good (laughs) but also it's a good start (laughs) yeah it's a good start Uh, also this is a really good card for any of those sort of everything tribal changeling decks Mm, oh yeah. yeah like as the lord for those goes this is this is top tier so Definitely really efficient, makes it a lot easier to attack. Also, the art and flavor text are great, and the promo version in the bundle is gorgeous. It has like oh, a yeah. collie with a flowing red cape. It's like, mwah, beautiful, yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah, let me read out this flavor text. I'm also a huge fan. Um, he'll, he will be your loyal champion and his pack your protectors. All that he asks for is a full belly, a spot by the fire, and all the love in your heart. It really Aww. touched me reading that. that. Yeah. Best doggo. I will say mm-hmm. though, when I first saw this card, it took me a while to sort of parse what was going on in the art. Cause I wasn't expecting the sort of bearded terrier dog look. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to figure out the head, but then once I saw it, it was like, Oh, okay. That, uh, what's the name of that, that Roman style helmet? Um, yeah. The centurion sort of helmet. Yeah. It kind of throws off his, uh, yeah. His his thing. I was there. looking for more of like, a. Yeah, more of like, uh, you know, the pointed nosed. But anyway. Yeah, so Rin and Sari is currently the only dog tribal commander, and I, I think it makes sense to run it there. You're going to have plenty yeah. of dogs running around. Um, other than that, doesn't quite have a home in the format outside of the, the changeling tribal list that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to the next card. It is Shipwreck Dowser. Three blue blue for a 3-3 three, three merfolk wizard. It has prowess. And whenever, or sorry, when Shipwreck Dowser enters the battlefield, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. What do you think about this card? Mm, It's decent as far as these sort of effects go. I mean, it's only one more than uh, Archaeomancer and the same cost as Mnemonic Wall, but it has a much better body and much better in combat with the prowess. Uh, but I don't know that that matters too much in the kind of decks that necessarily want a bunch of this effect. Right? Yeah. That's um, true. I, 
like especially since last year we got scholar of ages for only two mana more with the same size body but that thing returns two cards so you're actually getting card advantage off of it no that's true i I think that the it's really funny comparing this to salvager of secrets which is the same mana cost for a 2-2 with no abilities Mm -hmm. um like that's it's pretty much a strict upgrade there but uh, kind of like you said a lot of the time you're not running this card for its the text. body yeah you're running this card to get you back a, a instant or sorcery and if that's the case i think i would probably run like archaeomancer before i'd run this yeah i mean this would probably i mean it depends on how big mana the deck goes but this would probably yeah. be like tied for second among my choices. So Archaeomancer, then uh, probably Scholar of Ages or this, depending on if I figured I would get to seven reliably or not. And then after mm-hmm. this, like Mnemonic Wall and then Salvager of Secrets and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I feel that. I, I think there are some lists that want this more than mm-hmm. maybe Mnemonic Wall, just because it's a wizard. Those are the only lists. What? Or the Naban Inala Kazami. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the only other place I could think. Because uh, Merfolk, the only Merfolk list, Kumana doesn't really care about this necessarily. Uh, I, I do think there is something to be said for redundancy. Um, there are decks out there, like, for example, um, Thassa, Deep Dwelling, that are interested in sort of assembling these extra turn combos. And if that's the case, then you want as many of the effect as you can get. So Shipwreck yeah. Dowser, you're going to be running it alongside Archaeomancer, Salvager, Mnemonic Wall in Scholar order to get back yes. Scholar of Ages in order to get back your time warp effects. Because once mm-hmm. you get that loop going, it's just infinite and you can win at your leisure pretty much. To me, this card is just more funny that it exists than anything in particular. And uh, one interesting thing of note before we move on to the next card Um for a while, Prowess was uh, kind of out of the limelight. Um, it lost its evergreen status, so it's interesting to see it brought back here. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Rosewater stated that it's now deciduous, meaning any set can bring back Prowess if it feels it's appropriate. So it's sort of on the, along the lines of like vehicles in that terms of um, you know a little bit higher than just a normal mechanic, but not evergreen. All right, the next card is Teferi's Ageless Insight. It is two blue-blue for a legendary enchantment. If you would draw a card, except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. Uh, where do you think this card is going to fit into the format? Um, I don't know. I mean, it is... It's kind of just another Alhamrit's Archive, but with only one of the effects. Uh, it's an enchantment, though, which makes it a little sturdier as things go. Um... It still doesn't do anything on its own, though, which is kind of hard to justify in some decks. But even but the fact that it's cheaper than Archive and and a little more resilient as an enchantment, I think, makes it slightly more appealing. Like, I'm in the process of building a Zyrus the Writhing Storm deck, mm-hmm. and I'm not, and that deck's playing a bunch of like you know Howling Mine and Wheel effects, and I'm not super interested in like Alhambra's Archive for that deck because at five that's a little pricey. But this I actually might be interested in for the deck because that four mana puts it down basically a turn before a lot of the wheels and more expensive multi-draw effects so yeah to me it definitely seems like an 
upgrade over Alhamarat's archive. So for the the blue decks that are interested in that type of effects, I'm thinking like Arjun the Shifting Flame or Gavi Nest Warden. Um, other blue commanders that are running Alhamarat's archive, I think they would either like upgrade to this or uh, run them alongside each other. Yeah, uh-huh. like again, like for something like uh, Zyrus, this is actually a lot more. The more I think about it, the more this is definitely way more appealing for Zyrus than uh, Archive is because this comes down the turn before Zyrus. Mm. Oh, yeah. So then I'm not having to pick, okay, do I play Archive or Wheel Effect after Zyrus or what, you know? Like, and yeah. Curve a little bit better. Yeah, curves nicer. Um, It's not super expensive to cast. Um, And again, if your deck, if you're you're playing Archive in a deck and not taking advantage of the life gain, you might as well switch to this or run both. Like, again, redundancy is good. So this lets you have, you know, four times the draw if you can get both out. So. All right, moving on to the next card. This is Teferi's Tutelage. Two and a blue for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card, then discard a card. And whenever you draw a card, target opponent mills two cards, meaning they put the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Uh, So a couple interesting things here. There's a terminology change. Um, There's some potential, some mill potential. Uh, How do you feel about this card and this, this change to the terms? I'm very happy that they finally keyworded mill because it's been mill since I started playing back in like 94 and you know, Mm -hmm. it's always been mill and there's never been another name for it. And like, I'm glad that they finally got with the program. They're just like, well, sure. We'll call it mill. Right. And it's just much cleaner and saves space on the card. And like outside of a core set, it's going to allow for maybe more complex milling effects because it saves space in card text, right? Uh, as an enchantment, I'm not super enthused by this. Like, for Commander, the fact that it's target opponent isn't very appealing because you have three opponents. There are there are similar effects that hit every opponent, like uh, Psychic Corrosion is the one that comes to mind, which is mm-hmm. the same thing except without the ETB trigger and mills everyone for two when you draw a card, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely an improvement over like Drowned Secrets. Still, I'm excited to to see this change to the terms um, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, and it's it's cool to see it happening. Even if maybe this card is a bit of a miss for the format. All right, uh, moving on to Peer into the Abyss. Four black, black, black for a sorcery. Target player draws cards equal to half the number of cards in their library and loses half their life round up each time. What do you think about this card? Uh, I'm surprised this isn't mythic for one, because the effect is super big and splashy. And this probably in like an earlier course that would have been a mythic. Yeah, just swap it with Grim Tutor. Thanks, Wizards. But yeah, it's a cool effect. I think it's interesting. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know that there's necessarily a ton of decks that are going to want this, because after you've spent seven mana at sorcery speed, like you're going to have to discard a bunch of the cards unless you have like 30 or 40 mana. So like big black decks maybe might want it, but like it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to really justify in my mind unless you're like super heavy combo and can make a ton of mana. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if you can cast this for free. Yeah. I, I don't see this taking the place of ad nauseum. Um, ad nauseum, it's five mana, instant speed. Assuming you've built your deck with a low curve, 
it's just going to draw you a ton of cards. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, there are some decks that can't run ad nauseum because their strategies naturally favor a high curve. And so I think this card could see play in some of those decks. Um, yeah. I'm thinking it also it also is safer for decks that have that spend a lot more of their life in the first place, which is mm-hmm. good. But at the same time, you're only drawing half your library, so there's like a 50% chance that any combo piece isn't going to be in the cards you draw, right? So Yeah. Um so so I'm thinking like this could see play in Jaleva lists. Uh Jaleva ex- when she enters the battlefield, exiles the top 4 cards of each player's library and then when she attacks, she can cast an instant or sorcery card from among them for free. So I think that makes sense here. The curve is naturally high. Uh, it's a big boom, boom type of spell, the exact kind of thing she wants to play. Um, and I think also Joda, Archmage Eternal, plays has a high CMC generally, uh, and his ability will give you a discount on this. So I think both of those would make sense for this card. Certainly, it's going to be a role-playing card. It's not like the be-all and end-all of the deck, like something like Ad Nauseam is going to be. Like One of the big things about Ad Nauseam is that it's an instant, so you can play at the turn like, at end of turn before you go off and have all your mana available. Uh, it's a fun combo, since it's a target player, it's also a fun combo with stuff like uh, Wound Reflection or uh, similar effects. Because it's like, oh, you lose half your life rounded up, and then we go to end step and you die. So... <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Sweet combo yeah. there. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the next card. It is Double Vision. Three red red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, how do you feel about this? I think it's good that it exists. It's still kind of like it's only copying one thing once. And so that can be kind of hard to uh, to get right. Um it's a bit limiting, but I think for the most part, it's fine. I think like Calamax decks will want this because he's already only cap copying your first spell if he's tapped, right? So mm-hmm. it's nice that he can uh, farm it once on each opponent's turn. So to get yeah. potentially four double vision triggers per yeah. round of turns. Um, but I think it's a cool card. I think it'll slot into a lot more decks that things like Swarm Intelligence or whatever wouldn't necessarily go into because like again five versus seven is a big difference in mana cost Mm -hmm. especially for like a setup enchantment that doesn't do anything on its own um like this also plays really nice with uh you know twinning staff and stuff like that too so i think it's a really good card for like the calamax deck but beyond that i don't see a a lot of natural homes for it because most decks that want to copy stuff want to copy like most things rather than just one thing yeah i was thinking um so calamax definitely makes sense because he's able to to spread the spells he casts out across multiple opponents i was thinking that decks that just want to cast one big spell each turn might also be interested so like Mm -hmm. wart the raid mother um or maybe roshin meanderer both of those tend to run like x spell lists where you spend all of your mana on a single enormous spell and double vision would make sense in that context where uh, it doesn't matter that it's only your first one because you're only casting one. I think we can move on to the next card. Stormcaller, two and a red for a 3-2 creature ogre shaman. When it enters the battlefield, it deals two damage to each opponent. Uh, what are your thoughts on this card? 
Well, this is one of the cards from the Chandra Planeswalker deck, and I wanted to call attention to it because these cards, like cards like this that are exclusive to the Planeswalker decks, tend to get overlooked a fair amount because they're not in boosters and whatever. But like this effect is really strong. Like dealing like two damage to each opponent is very decent, especially on ETB. Like previously, we've had Gitu Journey Mage that does the same thing, but you have to control another wizard for it to trigger, and this is just without any specific cost. Um, so yeah, I think I think this is definitely worth noting, especially if you're running any sort of blink effect, or this would be good with things like you know Blade of Selves sort of mm-hmm. thing. It's not an amazing card in and of itself, but it's a good useful little thing, and you know probably worth picking up if it's something that's in your wheelhouse. It's nice to see cards like this that even though they're likely designed for a uh, product that's meant to be played in duels, they scale well to multiplayer. All right, moving on to the next card. It is Lanawar Visionary. Two and a green for a 2-2 Elf Druid. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card and tap add green. So this is pretty clearly uh, Lanawar Elves and Elvish Visionary stapled together. Uh do y'all have any thoughts on this card? It's okay. I mean, if you want a whole bunch of mana dorks, I think it's fine. It's probably only really good in like elf ball lists though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's okay. It's just like at three mana, it's not really the sort of ramp you want. The fact mm-hmm. that it draws you a card and replaces itself makes it okay. But like, I don't know. I mean, like, would you play, you know, a three mana mana rock that tapped for green and entered tapped and drew a card when it entered? Probably not. Doesn't seem super good, right? Yeah, I think that this is likely going to be relegated to decks that can get a little extra value off of its type line. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking maybe some elf tribal lists like uh, Marwin or Azuri Renegade Leader where it's just a little bit extra value because the base case, the base card doesn't get there for commander. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's also good with any cost reduction. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is, you know, this is nice in that it's a mana dork you can run if you're, say, running like a blue-black deck or a green-black deck that like also wants to run something like uh, Heartless Summoning that shrinks all your creatures but reduces their cost. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, this will survive and draw you a card. But like, I mean, if you have to play other cards with it to make it good, it's really not that good. But it's a common. It's fine. You know, it's another mana elf, which, you know, I mean, I think I'd rather play this. I probably play this over some of like the two mana one twos that draw or two ones that, you know, add green. But Mm -hmm. like, it really depends on the deck. But like this is definitely not going to be my first, second, third, or even fourth choice for any specific deck other than like an elf deck. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, the next card we're going to talk about is a uh, mythic. Uh, it is chromatic orrery, seven mana for a legendary artifact. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Tap, add CC CCC, so five colorless mana. Five mm-hmm. tap, draw a card for each color among permanents you control. Uh, what do you think is, about this? This is really cool. I like it. But like the fact that it washes your mana to any color gives it ridiculous combo potential. Um, obviously, there's good infinite mana combos. with it. The fact that it adds five opens up a lot of extra infinite mana combos with uh, 
what is it? Uh, Filigree Sages is the one people are talking about, which has mm-hmm. two and a blue untapped target artifact. And so that lets you go, you know, infinite on all colors of mana. Um, one and thing all, I would and like, cards. Yeah, and cards. It lets you draw your deck. I, I don't know. I like it. But uh, one thing to note, sorry, with the first ability is that it, you can't spend mana as though it were colorless mana. So if you're playing like Eldrazi or things that specifically care about colorless mana take note and like save up your actual colorless mana for that this was previewed by the command zone and they had a really good point that last ability it says it costs five but it really is costing you 10 mana because you're not getting the five mana from the orrery right mm-hmm. so it's like eh and like i don't know i think i don't think i'd necessarily want to play this in any deck that didn't necessarily didn't have an infinite combo with it or that was less than three colors because otherwise you're not drawing that many cards off of the bottom thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting card. I'm sure someone will break it somehow. But like, I think probably only like really already dedicated uh, artifact mana decks are going to really want this. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that it fixes your colors is nice. And I'm sure there'll be casual applications too. Yeah, I was thinking um, this could be good in Joda Archmage Eternal. Um, mm-hmm. If you because first off, it only really costs five for him, and then it immediately refunds that mana. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and then of course on future turns, you just have an extra five mana, so that that could be strong. Mm, um, so you get a free spell every turn, basically. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, I was also thinking about uh, commanders that can cheat the mana cost. So like Doretti, Scraps of Avant, you can cast him discard it and then next turn sacrifice some something irrelevant in order to bring it back onto the battlefield get it down kind of early sahili the gifted and braids conjurer adept can also get it you know without paying full retail price yeah yeah that's fair um yeah it's still it's still it's interesting i don't think it's gonna like be like as ooh amazing as people are thinking it is though i mean it goes infinite and it washes the mana which is nice but like it does what other things already do but maybe saves a card slot in your deck if you don't have too much room for that sort of combo i'm a little skeptical of the filigree sages combo i just think it's unless you have like lots of tutors it's tricky to assemble those kind of things and you know this card is not great outside of the combo context unless you can cheat on its cost and yeah, yeah that, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, like Chain Veil to Fairy is going to want that as one of its pieces. But like beyond that, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a bit skeptical on it. It's it's OK. It's cool. But I think it's going to be uh, like uh, the uh, Nyx Bloom Ancient in that it's really splashy and really cool and can do broken things, but doesn't that often. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we have one more card remaining. Yeah. This is Cryptic Masterpiece. It's a two-cost artifact. Tap, put a page counter on Cryptic Masterpiece, scry one. Two, tap, put a page counter on Cryptic Masterpiece, draw a card. And whenever Cryptic Masterpiece has four or more page counters on it, exile it. When you do, gain four life. Uh, What do you think about this card? I'm not super hot on this. Um, The fact that it goes away... It's kind of meh. I mean, you gain a little bit of life, but that's not really much of anything. Uh, I certainly, like, I think this is probably okay in decks that can't justify running, like, Endless Atlas, because otherwise this is just a worse Endless Atlas. 
right? Yeah. If you want cheap card draw and you don't care about it going away, like if you just want cheap card draw to set you up or like in a deck like uh, like New Joyra, like this would probably be perfectly fine because both because in that that's a deck where you might actually want the scry more than you want the card draw because of your joy is already drawing you the cards seems probably like it would be okay with things that can remove the counters so like you'd probably want to play this in like a chise heart of oceans deck but like beyond that oh, that's a good point i like that tech yeah it's times like this that i really wish that tyam um allowed you to remove counters from all types of permanence rather than just creatures because there's yeah. so many cards like it that can um that really we'll like run, having their counters removed. Yeah. We'll just run Karn Silver Golem, right? Or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, this is fine. Uh, just one note about the last, the triggered ability on this. So just one note about the last trigger. Um, since it triggers whenever something is true about the card, this is what's known as a state trigger. State triggers are special in that because they look for a specific thing to be true on the battlefield rather than looking for something to happen like most whenever you know, you draw a card or whatever sort of triggers um, that they have special characteristics. Uh, notably, they won't trigger again if, if there's an instance of the trigger on the stack. Um, so uh, this doesn't have an intervening if clause. So removing a counter and once it's triggered won't keep it from being exiled. But what you can do is if you have something that lets you untap it, say you could untap it in response and activate it again to draw one last extra card or whatever. Hmm. Just, just as a note. Yeah. And as for why state triggers work that way, well, if they didn't work the way they do, then the things would just trigger endlessly and no one would ever, you know, then there'd just be in, infinite triggers on the stack, right? Because, oh, this has four counters, trigger. Oh, this has four counters, trigger. Oh, this has four counters, trigger, right? <laughs> So yeah, they have to I, I, only allow one instance of the trigger on the stack. Otherwise, they break the game. Good to know. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's uh, all we have time for today. Those are the notable cards we've seen out of the first few days of spoilers. Thank you again for, for joining us, providing some rules insight on these cards. And, uh, you know, if you're amenable to it, we're happy to have you on for the next spoiler show we do. There's going to be yeah, several absolutely. of these as we work through spoiler season. Absolutely, yeah. This set is actually quite interesting uh, mechanically for a core set. So, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. happy to come back on. Great. I mean, they put phasing in a core set, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm still got my fingers crossed that that means we'll see a Teferi's Protection reprint but yeah we'll, we'll find yeah, out i guess we'll depend yeah all right but anyway yeah thanks for having me have take care uh have a good day stay healthy stay safe yeah well we'll talk to you again soon thanks so much charlotte bye if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr and zach is at fat bartleby on twitter our theme song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check them out on soundcloud until next time We're going back to the drawing board.